I'm Stephen James, and welcome to Creatively Speaking, an hour-long podcast where I sit down with artists, musicians, communicators, and all types of creatives in between. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Creatively Speaking with Stephen James. I, of course, am Stephen James, and with me is uh, a man who needs no introduction, but I have to introduce him anyway, or else <laughs> you're not going to know what the hell I'm talking about. It's YouTube sensation. Can I, I believe we can call you an overnight sensation that has taken... Uh, a couple of years to be an overnight <laughs> sensation, much like uh, us. It's, of course, Mr. Dave Lee of Dave Knows Wrestling. Thank you so much for having me here, as well as Dave Knows Comics. But, yeah, uh, look at it this way. Maybe there's a really big planet that overnight means years. Exactly, yeah. Like on Jupiter, it's yeah. like the weight difference yeah. on the moon. It's be over, right? Overnight success. Yeah. But uh, first, you know, for those of you who don't know, right now, stop this pod, pause this podcast right now, go to your web browser, Search YouTube.com, go there, type in Dave Knows Wrestling, and smash the subscribe button. Smash it right now. And the bell. Don't forget the bell. The little yeah. bell there, too. The bell is important. That's right. Thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> ring that bell. Ring that bell. Ding. As doing timekeeping, yes, ringing the bell is important. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll talk about that, too. <laughs> Uh, first, how did you get started in broadcasting to begin with? Because I know you have a news background as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things before getting to the meat and potatoes of the YouTube gimmick. Right, right. Okay, well, um, you know, as, as not the good fellows this, but as far back as I could remember, but I always <laughs> wanted to uh, be involved in media or in entertainment in some capacity, one way or the other. So I pursued a lot of things ever since, you know, er, as early as I possibly could. Uh, eventually, I went to broadcasting school, same as you. Yeah. And then after I graduated, I started to get jobs as a reporter. You know, and this is off. This is also after I've already done things like I produced um, off-Broadway improv comedy. I've done stand-up comedy. You know, I've done a lot of things throughout uh, throughout my time. I was also, you know, an actor. So, following that, I came up with the idea for the YouTube station right after I graduated. So the day after I graduated, I started working on it immediately after, and. Within that time, I started also getting other jobs, freelance jobs, as well as being brought on to different companies. Uh, as a news reporter, I did reporting for both news and television, as well as on top of that, other freelance gigs. Like I worked for a scene on TV for a little while and various companies here and there. Why go the YouTube route as opposed to the traditional media route? While you're doing that freelance, obviously your focus and your passion is professional wrestling and going into why YouTube as the medium? It's a great question. Um, the reason why I went into YouTube specifically was when you look at, I look at the changing face of the world right now, and especially if you have worked as an actor or pursued work as an actor, you know that job opportunities don't always come up. It's not there sometimes. The roles aren't finding you, or you have, you set, you throw yourself out there and just nothing's happening. So with YouTube and just the digital media now, you have the opportunity to make your own content, to make your own roles. Forget about waiting for somebody to cast you into something when they give you the opportunity. Just create the opportunity yourselves. And when I looked at, I was watching a lot of YouTube. Like it became something that eventually replaced in the rotation a lot of regular TV watching for me. Absolutely, for a lot of people. Yeah. And so when I looked at, um, you know, Jenna Marbles, when I looked at Epic Mealtime, and I looked at these people who had regular, boring jobs and then they moved on and actually were able to quit their jobs and do YouTube full-time and get paid off of it, then... It's like, hey, I want to quit my job, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah jobs are dumb. <laughs> jobs are dumb. But that's a, the, the, the misconception is, yeah. though, that people who, you know, are YouTubers or streamers or things like that, they just... 
they have it easy. They show up. From what I see of what you do, a lot of work and a lot of preparation goes into it. For all of the highly produced stuff that you do, you're the only one doing it. You're writing it. You're shooting it. You're producing it. You're editing it. All of it. How how do you keep yourself sane? Who says I do? That's that's fair. <laughs> that's a fair point. Um, yeah, well, he, he, that's the thing. I will admit that you're 100% right. Um, I knew it would be a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't delusional enough to think it would be easy. But I still did not realize how much work goes into it overall. Uh, I will also say that I do get a lot of, as, my, as the channel has grown, I have gotten a lot of support from my YouTube community. When I look at, like, if you look at my banners that I have on my two channels, that was made by a subscriber. He was a young kid, an entrepreneur himself. Wanted, to see, you know, he wants to become a graphic designer. He's in high school currently in England. Oh wow! Yeah, and he said, "I I love your channel. Could I make banners for you for free that you would use just to get my name out there?" And I said, "Absolutely, absolutely." Yeah. yeah and he offered it. And I told him, "Just one condition: put your name or where they can find you in the corner of the banner. That way, people know to find you there." So. That was my only condition. I said, fine, but you better put it there because I want to make sure that you, you get the recognition you deserve. So when it comes to making things like banners, I did have one beforehand, but that's an example of things people don't realize, like the banners, the graphic design work. You have to have a theme. It has to look polished and professional. You can't go with that stock, bland, no banner look for your YouTube. You have to have thumbnails, all these graphics. And I was kind enough to get somebody to do, you know, help me out with that. So, and it fit your aesthetic. The YouTube support community you've yeah. worked with, uh, wrestling with regret. Yeah. I, I've had the chance to not only sit in on a couple of your live streams, uh, but I've been a fan of your YouTube for quite some time. And Thank you. the community that you have there, it's the same people on your live yeah. streams. You have people who are know-it-alls. Right. Yeah. You know, they they have their own name. They right. they're they're there. They're invested. How long? into the channel's life cycle before you huh. realized that you started cultivating that and that was a thing. You know, it's pretty funny because like a lot of the guys say that what they like about me is that I interact with them. Like they're used to commenting on a lot of channels and just not expecting any comment back. But I comment to, I, I respond to a lot, like as a lot of people, not everybody. I definitely avoid trolls. And if someone just says something that I have nothing, no you just, to, you just no sell it. Well, yeah, if someone says something like, if it's a video about a you know sensitive topic, then someone's response is, Hulk Hogan's my favorite wrestler. I'm like, all right, well, what do I have to say to that? Yeah. I have nothing to say. I just don't say anything because I'm like, I can't think of anything to say. It's but, like, okay, like you and about six million other people. Right. Fine. Right. And it happens sometimes when they just say something. I'm like, well, there's nothing I could possibly say. To, like, there's no response to that, so I just leave it go. But I do talk to a lot of them. But uh, when you said how soon, the first subscriber I ever got, I remember when I launched channel, I was very surprised. It was within... It was like within hours. I wasn't expecting it to happen that fast, but I got my first subscriber, and I just thought it'd be a friend of mine or someone I told I was doing it. But it was some complete random person. Wow! And he was I. I never got. I never knew how old he was or anything like that. But he he signed up right away, and he said, "I love your videos." I launched with three videos off the bat, and he liked all of them. And I was like, "Wow, that was quick." And then he said, "I want to do this too." You know, he was a he was a relatively young guy. I got the sense that he was a young guy. And he said he wanted to do this too, and he's starting his own YouTube channel. And I watched it, and I saw the things he was doing, and he had more subscribers than me because I had one, and, <laughs> and it was him, <laughs> right? And it was him. So, and he said, "I like I like the look of your channel." And I had my old my original banners that I made myself at the time. But he said, "You look like you're really good at it. Would you make me one?" And I said, 
as my first subscriber ever, yes, yes I yeah. will make you a banner. If you like this thing that I slap together, I'll make you one. Give me an idea of what you want, and I'll do that. So as my first subscriber right away. And so that was how it started. And so I made a banner for him, and he loved it. Uh, and then, you know, he changed his mind like two weeks later and wanted me to make another one. And I made like a couple for him before. I said, all right, that's all enough. All right, yeah, stuff. it's just, okay, it's getting a little, you're the first subscriber, right. but I need to focus on getting two, three, right. four, so on and so forth. Because what happened was after a while, he said, hey, could you make one for my friend, my best friend who's also making one, who's yeah. also doing a channel? And that's when the ball got rolling. But I kind of started really interacting with people then. And then... Right away, a lot of people were talking, and I was just commenting on all of them. They said, hey, I think that's awesome that you talked to us. And my, my beginnings, too, actually started because Ali Davis from Wrestling With Regret, which is a great channel, I... Uh. Wrestling with or Wrestle Talk? I'm sorry, Wrestle Talk. Okay, um, I was like, yeah. wait, Ali Davis. Yeah, no, Wrestling with Regret got me later. Okay, <laughs> oh, sorry, I apologize. Um, yeah, Ali Davis with Wrestle Talk. Sorry, Ali. As you know, and of course, Brian Zane and oh, Ali yeah. Davis know each other, too. So. I talked. To, I just sent out an invitation to all my favorite YouTube wrestling channels. I just I just went to all of them and I said and I said, hey, I started my own thing. Check it out. I'd appreciate any feedback you got. The first person who got back to me and it was right away was Wrestle Talk and Ollie wow. Davis. And this was back when it was just Ollie. When before Luke, Luke Owen and, and uh, you know else. and Laurie Blake got on, it was just Ollie on the show. And he responded right away and he gave me he gave me some feedback. He goes, I like your stuff. He goes, here's what I would do. You know, here's something you can work on. And I was like, awesome. And right from that interaction alone, a bunch of people came over from WrestleTalk and said, I saw your interaction with Ollie Davis, so I thought I'd check you out. I like your stuff, too. And so already, so it started a communication just for me and Ollie. And I got a lot, so a lot of my, a lot of my subscribers, especially in the beginning, all came from WrestleTalk. So I, I definitely always, I've always been grateful to WrestleTalk for that. And then moving forward, uh, eventually Brian Zane was the next one. Him and Frisco Flame and Brian Zane both got to me. Like they both, I had never gotten the full story of who really got. I contacted them, but I never got the. Got, I never ever found out who got the. Um, who who noticed uh, what first? What first? Yeah. yeah. But, Chicken or egg? Yeah. Right. But Brian Zane came over, came over to me. He says, "I hey, I really like your stuff. Um, you see, you're up and coming, and I think you really deserve a lot more credit." And I could not think of a better video for you than talking about Zack Ryder in that vein. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, I am totally in. He goes, yeah, so you want to do something about Zack Ryder with me? I'm like, I absolutely want to do one about Zack Ryder with you. He's like, I think you know where I'm going at with this. I'm like, yes, and I take no offense to it. I'm totally down. I'll be the Zack Ryder of the show. So that collaboration mm. brought even more. You talked about plateaus, though. Yeah. Um, when there was, you know, as you're building your channel, there's a plateau where you hit a certain amount of subscribers and that seems like that the channel stalls. Right. Yeah. How do you keep yourself positive about your channel's growth when it hits those lulls? Because mm. you beat at least two of those lulls, I believe you were right. talking about, before the next generation of channel growth. Oh, yeah. Um, well, Zane will, Brian Zane will tell you the same exact thing. It's that you just got to – it's in the terms of if anyone's a pool player – uh, plateaus when it comes to learning, being better in pool. Everyone tells you, you just got to shoot, shoot through it. How do you deal with a plateau? You just keep playing until just it goes playing. away. And so that's what it is. And Brian Zane was saying things like, you know, there are going to be down times. There are going to be things that go bad. There are things that you can think is not, oh, no, I'm ruined or something like that. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I'm ruined. Yeah, yeah. Title of your autobiography. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm ruined. <laughs> right. You're going to think there are things that you did where just like you got a mini fact wrong and you think they're going to, 
crucify you on the internet, and then no one notices or cares. Yeah, you're the one who notices, and you're fretting about yeah. it, and then well, yeah, how did they not notice? And then you wind up being upset that they didn't notice. They're not even paying attention. How but they'll pick they apart. But they'll pick apart something else that's actually that they're wrong about, and you're right about. But that no one will notice those things. <laughs> but yeah, but you just got to keep going through it. You just got to keep running through it, and. When you do, they just come out of it, and you try different things. Um, you know, I'm currently on a on a I'm on a pretty big streak right now where things are rising pretty good. I'm going through it uh, pretty right now, so right now I'm pretty hot. So I'm I'm very happy about that. And and it's it's Rumble into WrestleMania season, yeah. and you know, generally everything picks up around there. There's more interest in wrestling, more people searching for videos. What what's the process when you're trying to create a video or choose a topic? Because you've got you know Monday Night Raw, you've got um, you know Kayfabe Science, you've got all these all these different sort of sub shows yeah. within the channel. How do you triage all that? Which is most important? What would you consider your flagship show, for lack of a better term? Uh, the main show, the one I do every Wednesday, is, is my main show for sure. It's, the, it's definitely the flagship. It's the one that consistently gets the most views as a whole. Um, and also has a lot of the highest views. The reason why, and the reason, or the reasons I use to pick an episode is now I kind of go off a of gut. There was a time period where I really, really stuck to, especially when you're growing, you follow the analytics, you follow the trends, or you try to think of what's hot right now. And occasionally I do, you know, if let's just say it's Royal Rumble time and I know the Rumble's coming up and I'm in the Rumble state of mind, yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll write something or come up with a video for that specifically. But if there's, but now I'm just kind of like whatever I feel. If it happens to be related to the time period, sure. But for the most part, I just kind of go with what is hot for me in my community, specifically going back to the idea about listening to the fans, you know, something that WWE could try. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help myself. But, you know, um, like a recent, uh, a pretty uh, successful video I had recently came from just a comment section. Because I said, man, me and you have actually gotten into this debate yes. about who the first ECW champ was. Yes. I just said in an episode, it was a, it was a, it was just a passing phasing sentence that I was not, it was not the focal point, but people got in an argument about it in the comments section. And then, so I said, I have to make an entire video about this. Just because that argument spurred right. discussion, more people, you, you figured you would give them your opinion in more long form. Right. That's the good thing about the community right. that you've cultivated. Now they're feeding you content yes. that it's self-creating yeah. for you, which is great. But when you choose a topic, mm -hmm. say from start, you have a deadline generally for yourself. How far out in the process? Do you like to have it a week in advance? Or do you oh. want to, like how long from conceptualization generally? Because I, I know each one is different. From conceptualization to the finished product does it take? Um. What do I like versus what do I do? <laughs> different okay. stories. All right. Um, I tend to like, this is what I tend to like to do. I tend to go in three-week blocks. Like, I'll have, because on Mondays, I have the rotating, you know, gimmick shows. Yes. The kayfabe signs, the Monday Night Wrongs, or whatever like that. Every Monday, it's one of the, it's different. Or honest promos. And then Wednesday is always the main show. I try to, like, have the next three weeks all set. I don't always do that. Like, right now, I have... Uh, Monday and Wednesday, next week's shows are not done or written or started in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and it's Thursday. <laughs> right, so I'm completely behind on that. Yeah. Uh, of course, because I was away over last weekend. Yeah. You know, I was working I was working on an event, the Dream Bowl. The Dream Bowl. The Dream Bowl. So, yeah, I was working that event, so I, I'm behind. But, yeah, ideally I like to have three weeks out if I can. 
and that also includes like the comic book channel too. So I like to have try to have that. yeah, because not only are you crazy enough to do all of this yourself on one channel, you decided, hey, you know yeah. what'd be a great idea? Let's do another one. So why make the decision to do the comics channel? Because I know you're a sure. passionate comics fan yes. as well. Is that on par with wrestling? How long did it take for you to kind of develop? Or how difficult, what's the difficulty getting your wrestling audience over to the comics channel? Well, I'll tell you this. First of all, I thought comic books, like superheroes and wrestling, muscle men and tights, I thought they were ubiquitous. I thought if you liked one, you liked the other, but apparently... Not the case. No. Um, but here's the, here's the, so here's the thing for me. Um, when I first came out with the idea... It was just going to be, the channel was just going to be Dave Knows, and it was just going to be the things I like. And, it, you know, this week it'll be wrestling, this week it'll be comics, this week it'll be whatever, and it'll rotate. And I went back and forth, and it was at the last minute I said, no, I'll just do three separate channels. And the idea, the first three things I really wanted to talk about just happened to be wrestling. So I said, I'll just go with the wrestling channel first. Yeah. Yeah, because I, and so I just went, I just leaned on that. And then I intended to do the comic book channel right after, but... It was more, again, it was more work than I thought it was going to be. So I wound up focusing way more time on the wrestling channel than I initially planned, especially since I was still learning a lot of things about editing, about the process, until I got into a groove. And so eventually it took about a year before I got into the com. I started the comic book channel. Now, the difficulty with the comic book channel is it is definitely a much more congested and it's, it's a much more competitive market. The good thing about YouTube is that it's not really. I will say this though, uh, YouTube is not a competitive. It's not a competitive thing. It's not like TV show ratings. So if like one YouTube channel goes away, that doesn't mean you it get a boost. Mean, yeah, ratings. exactly. If anything, it's kind of the opposite. A lot of times where people watch one channel and then we support each other. You know, like Brian Zane with Wrestling with Gret, like Ali Davis with Wrestle Talk, and also Le Wrestle Lamia has been good to me too. You know, I can keep going on and on. Uh, you know, Stephen Larson has shown me the support, so I, I can keep going on and on and on about the guys. I, you know, and of course the collaboration videos I've done with, um, you know, I've appeared in the same videos with the World Culture and Cultaholic guys, which I think is crazy, that I'm on the same video as them. I'm like, <laughs> what am I doing here? Uh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when Zane came out to me, I told him, I was like, what business is I have? But anyway, so, but on the other hand, it is competitive to the degree where you may not be directly competing against each other, but when someone is looking for a specific amount of content, if there is a lot of channels with that same content, it you might get, get lost in the shuffle. Exactly. So wrestling, while there are plenty of wrestling channels, there's not as many, there's not as many as you can think, or not enough that it's oversaturated where it's hard to find. There's I, not as many wrestling fans as there are comic book fans. Yeah, and uh, with the Marvel movies and everything, yes. there there are movie channels that are really just comic book movie channels, <laughs> and maybe they'll talk about uh, Mission Impossible or Fast and Furious once in a while. That's really all you got. So I didn't really think of it that way. But the competitive, the market is so congested right now for comic book channels. It's hard. That's my analysis of how to get through it. Um, and also, I. I also know I was like late in the game, so well for me, there were certain mistakes I learned from to do the comic book channel. Vice versa, though, I didn't realize how much, how much more congested. Plus, the the face of YouTube has also changed in the past like two years since I started this, so it's not some of the same tricks that got the wrestling channel started don't work to get the ball rolling for the comic book channel either because they've also changed the, those rules too. But if you had to give advice to someone starting. Uh, a YouTube channel right now. What's the biggest piece of advice you wish you knew when you started? I would. That's tough to narrow down one. But if I had to pick one, I would say the legality aspect for sure. 
because when it comes to the legal stuff like what music can you use what videos can you use what uh, what um what pictures you can use now granted i don't have any copyright strikes i don't uh, you know i i follow the rules pretty strictly but it's something that i did not think about and you definitely need to learn these things you can watch watch all you know read watch they have tutorials but really pay attention to legality because the last thing you want to do is get in any kind of trouble you don't want to violate any copyright laws so definitely know those kinds of things because when i went into youtube youtube i'm just saying i see video clips all the time or you know i hear music songs playing all the time i didn't think twice about it so there were ideas that i had and not realizing that it changes over time now the, what the laws are for youtube now might not be the same in a month exactly they might change it so, constantly fluid yeah so don't be so so if your channel is dependent on using specific kind of content or media that's not yours just know you might not be able to keep making that channel forever and certainly you might not be able to monetize on right. that product right. uh, at all what sort of other revenue streams outside mm. of YouTube do you feed into do you do the merch thing uh, do you how do you funnel it all back, or is it, is the YouTube the mothership, essentially? Oh, yeah. YouTube is, eh, yeah, it is the mothership for sure, but I, uh, Patreon, I'm a big uh, Patreon guy, because Patreon, a lot of people don't know about it, but it's just a website where people can sign up to donate and support you by giving you money in monthly increments, whatever they want, whatever you decide, a dollar a month, five dollars a month, you know, ten, twenty, and it goes on from there. And you set your own tier system. Like, what are you willing to offer them? Like, for this amount of money to donate a month, I will, I will shout out you your name on one of my videos. I'll do month. the cha cha. Right. So, okay, uh, where can we find the Patreon for you? It's Patreon.com/slash Dave Knows Wrestling. And do you know any any of the tiers? What are you offering, bud? One dollar. I thank you so much. One dollar. I thank you so much. And you are uh, definitely a supporter. So thank you. Um, off the top of my head, I don't remember all of them, but five dollars I do have. <laughs> because I also change it too because it's, yeah, it's yeah, not it's working. Kinda, yeah. I try to incentivize you. Uh, five dollars I, I get your appreciation. Ten dollars, I believe the ten dollar tier and up is where I say your name on on air for on sure. Air, yeah. At least once a month. Um, you know I shouldn't remember these things, but I definitely don't. Uh, and. Beyond that, I have like higher tiers too. Um, I'm waiting for someone to cash in on those. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so one million dollar tier. If someone gave you right. a one million dollars just w for one month, right? What what would you be willing to offer? Oh, Dig oh. dignity. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, yeah I was gonna say it's it's probably much easier to say what I won't be willing to do, <laughs> and that list ain't long. Uh, so. You made the transition from YouTube, and now you know via our yeah. you know relationship, you have started working more in independent wrestling, but uh, with Capital Wrestling yeah. as timekeeper, as backstage correspondent extraordinaire. <laughs> but that's not your first independent show that you've no. worked, correct? Right. Correct. So again, <laughs> uh, if you've listened to episode two with Harry Tujanian, again, I'm not somebody's first. I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of this. Always a bridesmaid. But tell us your experience of, of the first time you ever, the curtain right. was pulled back for you and you were allowed to be invited into right. the ba inner workings of professional wrestling. Now, I will not name the company for exposing the business or anything. It's just so I avoid exposing the business or anything like that because I personally don't care, but I know a lot of industry people still yes. value that. Yeah. But so I'll, I'll try not to. I'm not going to say the company or anything like that. But I. So will I'm assuming you had a bad experience. No, it wasn't a bad experience. Oh, okay. Um, but 
so I have a friend who was involved with independent. His, his stepfather owned a owned a company, had a promotion, and so I've been involved in this for. So I knew somebody from that backstage. So that would be the first time I got to see a little bit behind the scenes stuff. But for me personally, working in an event, it was a company where the story was, and this is the story was, and it was an interesting one. Was that the comp, the promotion would be is being bought by a Japanese. Uh, of Japanese owner try, who's going to be taking over. Unfortunately, the guy playing the Japanese owner, this mysterious Japanese, new Japanese owner, was not available to make their next show. So they wanted someone to play his nephew. Okay, I was going to say, they didn't just put someone else in after they had already, uh, and you were right. supposed to play the same guy. Yeah, they, so they had a guy, and they said they needed someone to play his younger nephew, his young nephew, because the guy was older. He was like, okay. you, know, you know, an old businessman type. And they said, but he, he, for whatever reason, he wasn't able to make the date. So they said, we needed someone to play his nephew. Last minute deal. So they just said, we'll swear a suit and show up. And I said, okay, I can do that. And then they had me at the show. They had me ringside. And they also had a guy who was supposed to be like my associate who was like a big MMA. Bodyguard. But he was an MMA guy. Okay. And, and Wait, it, for, the, for the record, you're not Japanese, no, right? Okay. No. <laughs> I just want to make, make that no. clear. So, But they had a guy who was my bodyguard. He was this, uh, he was this, uh, he was... He was someone they they was interested in possibly joining the business as a wrestler. Uh, I don't think he had any real MMA training, but he looked like he could have. Okay. Uh, so they had him as my bodyguard. But here's where the story gets weird: is that while I'm telling you that this is all kayfabe, the boys didn't know. Oh, so they really thought they told me to never tell any of the boys. So all of them were under the belief that the promotion was being bought by a Japanese businessman, and that I was legitimately this guy's nephew. Oh, no. And I'm a big, dorky wrestling fan, and I'm just pointing out, looking at the guys that I like versus the guys that I don't, and I'm going to tell my uncle who needs to stay and who needs to go. And Crowbar was in this promotion. Oh, no. That's awful. Yeah. That puts you in a very uncomfortable yes, position. Yes, it did. And yeah. this is what I mean by I don't want I'm not going to say the company because yeah. I don't want out anybody, but the other weird thing, too, was a guy we both know... Santa Claus? No, he was also there too, but because of my friend's promotion, I already knew him. And so they were really concerned. They're like, I didn't know you knew, I, you knew each other. And I, but the thing was, like, I, I don't think he remembered it. He, like, he Who knew you me. Were, yeah. Well, he knew me, but I, for all he knows, my uncle is, is interested in And by you him. are Japanese. Yeah, so he, yeah. we didn't know each other well enough for that to matter, but yeah. they were freaked out for a little bit. <laughs> and I have, and then afterwards, after the show was over, they had me meet with every single wrestler and talk about their goals for the company, the goals for the future, where they see themselves in five years. I'm telling you, though, and, I will say this. They were selling that gimmick. <laughs> they had you working hard. That they did. And I had no idea. that I just thought out on-air authority figure. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I did have, I had no idea that they were going to this in depth. I didn't know I had to interview all these guys. Uh, or that my bodyguard MMA guy was going to start evaluating them physically, their physical training regimens and stuff and talking about it with me like, oh, well, this guy's only working out this amount of time. I was like, okay, and I'm just sitting here going through this entire thing after the show. <laughs> and some of these guys were really nervous too because, like, they needed this, like, that job. And they needed to be in that promotion. So some of them were kind of, like, sweating bullets when talking to me. So for you, being backstage, you've had, even in Capital Wrestling, yeah. as, a, as a correspondent, you've had – 
some run-ins with some folks. I mean, <laughs> at the Colossal Confrontation, you were interviewing Ken Dixon, a yes. guy. Uh, tell us about the Ken Dixon story as well as uh, the uh, Eddie Machete and Xander Killen. Nice. Okay, so when it comes to when it comes to Ken, like I. You know, you see Ken and he sees he's like this tough, mean dude. That is not an act. You know, he is definitely, he is definitely a tough guy. There's no question about it. You know, he is fueled and ready to go. And when it came to interviews, I don't know what was going on, but it was before the White Eagle Hall show. But he was busy doing something and he didn't want, he didn't have time to cut a promo. He really didn't. And they wanted him to do camera time, but I think he wanted to work out or he was trying to do something else or he was busy. And it was the last thing he cared about and he just didn't want to bother. So when they pulled him over and said, we got to do this interview real quick, they're like, okay, let's do it real quick. I'm talking to him, and right before they go on, like, Zane, like, he's getting, he's getting, he's getting psyched. And Zane... Zane Decker, the director of Capital Wrestling? Right, says, hey, hey, Ken, don't, by the way, don't worry about it. He's cool. This is the first time I ever met Ken. And he's like, he's cool, don't worry about it. Uh, you can rough him up, it's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I wasn't there, but I'm sure there was a twinkle in Ken's eye and a smile on his face the moment those words right. came out of uh, Zane's mouth. Right, and as soon as he said that, you know, Ken just yokes me up and throws me up against the wall, and, you know, it was cool, and then he just do, do, cuts an amazing promo, because he always does, yeah. and then just walks out, and I'm like, I'm ready to, like, shake his hand and say, hey, great work or something like that, nice work in which it, nope, just turn around and left. Just turn around and, and left. Ken Dixon is Ken Dixon. Mean, right. tough. But I like that he was because he stayed hot from that moment till the match. Like he got the, he got psyched up to do the promo, got hot, and he stayed hot until the match. Oh yeah. Which I just think is it, I think that's great. I think that's crazy. Like you can do that because you know some people they go on and off and they're very cycle based off of how uh, you know their mood at the particular moment. A guy like the Macho Man Randy Savage yes. was definitely somebody who they said was very temperamental and depending on how his mood was backstage right. is how he performed. Yeah. Or and I think Orton too. Like oh, yeah. yeah, like the hey, maybe it's the Randys. Maybe. It's the name Randy, folks. Maybe. You heard it here first. Uh, so you go from doing backstage interviewing, you know, you get roughed up by both Ken Dixon and Xander Killen, mm -hmm. uh, which made the signature of the show. If you if you watch Capital Wrestling, <laughs> go to CapitalWrestling.com, check out our YouTube, like, subscribe, hit the button. Um, yeah, you get roughed up in that as well. Going from that to timekeeping for the first time, you oh. learned, uh, without giving away right. too much, right. you found out that it's not just, you know, not not just Mark Eaton sitting there ringing right. the bell. No, it is not. It's no, not. There, there's there's an art to it, and you know I'm very grateful for being able to work with you know senior official Mike Keener. So like, yeah, shout out to Mike Keener. Yeah, that's that's great because I like working. I definitely like working with him. He you know he understands. The, the thing about it is you need to be on the ready for it. And working with the ref, eye contact with the referee, knowing what is going on, especially from certain angles. Because when you're certain, one thing I, you never think about is like, you're saying, yeah, I could see someone counting to three, I'm aware of it. But certain angles, maybe you don't see the count. So it's presumptuous for you to think to ring the bell because you don't know, you can't see it all the time. Sometimes it's the first count is actually the referee, you know, dropping to his the knees. floor, yeah. Yeah, and so you need to constantly look at the ref. And sometimes I, you know, regretfully, I'm I'm ringside, but what am I going to do? I miss some great, great spots or great moments in a match because I'm looking at the ref. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, not looking fair. at the I'm not looking at the at the spot. I'm just looking at the ref half the time. So you know, of course, it's a good thing there is TV. Yes, exactly. And you can rewatch it. Right, but still, it's like crazy to me that I'm ringside and 
and there have been times where people say, "Oh, did you see the, did you see that power bomb or did you see it when he jumped out?" I'm like, "No, I didn't." He, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, from my vantage point at the desk, yeah. we're not calling off of a monitor, right. so we're calling whatever we choose to see, whatever mm -hmm. we're triaging what's important. So in like a six-man scramble, something's going on over here, but something's going on. <laughs> I got to figure out which one's more important uh, for myself. It's oh yeah, definitely I difficult. I could imagine. Yeah. So for me, a lot of times, like if they're gonna take a dive to the outside or something like that. I'm looking Try and see, go cross-eyed to see. Yeah, because I'm looking what number the ref's at. Yeah. I'm like, nine. Oh, wait, he jumped outside, and I missed it. So being able to now be inside the business, for lack of a better term, mm. what's one of the major differences or something that surprised you uh, about the wrestling business? Seeing as you're already knowledgeable being a fan for as long, but now going from fan to someone who is more invested in the business side of it, what was something that maybe shocked you or something that you didn't know took as much effort or where the curtain was pulled back a little? I will say, you know, I feel this is the number one thing for me is that if you ask anybody, a fan, insider, anybody who knows what the business is about, you ask them, how does a match, like how does someone go through a match? How do they come up with it? You're going to get a different answer. And everyone swears whatever they heard is the, is the absolute gospel, correct yeah. one. And the reality is people do it differently. You know, it's, you know, I don't want to give away who I'm talking about here, but I remember I was talking to one specific, uh, one specific individual, and they, they make sure er they leave no stone unturned. They have every single aspect understood, every single nuance, every little thing plotted out, like Macho Man Randy Savage Absolutely, was like that. Yeah. But when I asked them, I was like, how do you keep all that? Like, and you, Especially if you're doing a double shot, like how does you keep? How do you keep all that straight in your head? Like how does that happen? And they said the answer was it's like playing a song. I can't tell you A B B A A C or whatever like that with the notes. I can't do that. I can just do it. But if I play, yeah, if I start playing it on my guitar, I'll just know how to go from the beginning to the end, and I won't think about it again. And so I thought that was most, I thought that was great. I thought that it was poetic. It's like playing a song. You just go through it that way. You just go through it that way. All right, well, Capital Wrestling, of course, uh, will our events we run all the time. You'll see Dave there. Check out our TV. But we're going to move on from Capital Wrestling and talk professional wrestling in general because nice. you are a fan. Where did the fandom start originally? Because oh. I, I remember you mentioning that your dad was a fan yep. too, so it's the family business, for lack of a better term. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, my dad got me into professional wrestling. Uh, first match I ever remember was a Dusty Rhodes match. So Okay. Know, yeah, it was just against some jobber. And the, the, the thing is, I What, was it Dusty Rhodes or was it the American Dream? Oh, Dusty Rhodes. It was the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. So Polka Dot Dusty. Yeah. So here's the thing. I I don't remember who he's going against, but for all I know, that jobber was actually someone important. I just don't remember because it doesn't stand out in my head. But Dusty Rhodes stood out in my head. So it was the first thing I ever remember was a match with Dusty Rhodes. Um, but then what really – so that was the first the first introduction. But coincidentally, or, or as a bonus, the Royal Rumble was the next thing that I – next piece of wrestling I, I saw. And I liked it right from that. And, when, and what year would that have been? Which uh, which rumble would that have been? It was pretty. It was pretty early on. It was pretty early on. Um, the problem is, I have. I can't. I always get numbers mixed up. I, I want to say the '89 one. Okay. All right. So that's what. Not Big John Stud, right? Yeah. Was that's Big John Stud. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I got pretty. I got pretty into it from the rumble, and because it was like I never saw anything like this. It was everybody. Everybody in this ring, you know, going at it. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And so that's what happened. And, of course, Hulkamania, 
you know, doesn't hurt. So you were a Hulk Hogan guy. Oh yeah, as a absolutely, kid, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. The the real pain was one of my best friends growing up, huge Ultimate Warrior fan, and then when they finally go against each other, I'm like, well, Hogan's definitely gonna win, yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and you lost. A lot of people lost their lunch money on that one. Yeah. I, I was actually a, a Warrior guy really? as a kid. When that split happened, because, I mean, he was, for as much as Hulk Hogan was the superhero, he's talking about saying your prayers and your vitamins, all that stuff. Meanwhile, you got this guy who looks like a freaking huffy bike yelling and screaming with the tassels on, talking about loading the spaceship with the rocket fuel and loading it with the warriors. I'm like, all right, let's go to space, you, you muscled up freak. Let's do this. Now, see, I liked both of them. Until they went against each other. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that was the moment where friendships were divided, for sure. Right. But don't get me wrong. I went back on it. I still like, you know, I eventually liked the warrior again, too. You know, I got over it. But, yeah, that that, that stung. It, it, it hurt. So what, what was the first uh, event you ever went to live? First event I ever went to live was a house show. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a house show, and the main event was Bret the Hitman Hart versus Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Championship. Your favorite wrestler, Bret Shawn Hart. Michaels. <laughs> 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 no, your favorite yeah, wrestler, right. Bret Hart. Yeah, yeah. It's actually Stone Cold Steve Austin, but Bret's too. I'll go with that. Oh, you 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 tend to talk more about Bret than Austin, but I guess I guess that's because I'm 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 a big Shawn Michaels guy, and we always butt heads. Well, it's there. also because like I know that Bret Hart is a better. Technical wrestler than Austin. Oh yeah, but Austin's a better character. Had drew more money. That's the that's the key. Because look, I talk about money drawing all the time is one of my major major selling points for a guy one way or the other. And it's not for money's sake. It's because it provides advantages for the boys and. A lot of fans, casual fans, don't think about it that it's way. It's the wrestling business. Right. It, it's not the wrestling friendship or whatever. Right. Yeah. You bring more money in for it, it helps globalization. It helps the company, which in turn helps get the boys paid more, helps give them more security, gives them better advantages. It Contributing to the business does mean bringing in money. Yeah. And Austin, in my opinion, I, I've had people argue this. As far as I'm concerned, Austin is the Biggest money draw in all of wrestling history. Him, I would put him and Hogan, yeah. one and two. Oh, it's him and Hogan. Yeah. Uh, there's a fair case for The Rock. I know a lot of people keep bringing up Jim Londis, but I keep pointing out that's before television. That's, yeah, that's it sold ticket seats. Yeah. It didn't sell merch. Yeah. It didn't sell TV airings. Uh, Bruno, I mean, you can make a point for Bruno, but again, limited television. Yeah. It's a, it's no, a bit different. And no toys, no video games. Austin was one of the features of Huge 2K16. Yeah. Absolutely. Austin 316 shirts still sell now. I just bought a new one recently. There you go. That's my point. So Because <laughs> I wore out the other one so right. bad. Yeah. So that's my point. Austin is easily, as far as I'm concerned, the number one money draw of all time. And that's irrefutable. And, and even if he's not, if I look at Austin, Hogan, and The Rock, all the top contenders, and before his neck break, if we just look at them as wrestlers, who out of these three is the best technical wrestler? Pure wrestler? Austin. It's yes. Austin. Yeah, so, I agree. I look at and I and I look at his promo work, which and I like Austin on the mic better than The Rock, and I know a lot of people say that's crazy. I Rock. I agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah, The Rock was a catchphrase machine. Was he very funny? Yes, but if I needed someone to convey a story, if I needed someone to convey a message and emotion, it ain't gonna be The yeah, Rock. It's not gonna be The Rock. Yeah. Right. So I look at all these factors, and that's why Austin's my number one. I just realized I'm not even answering your question. What was the question? I'm sorry. I don't even remember at this point. <laughs> okay, we my first show. My, yeah, my your first, first show. show. Yeah, my first show. show. Yeah, so my first house show was that was the main event for the Intercontinental Championship, Bret Hart versus uh, Shawn Michaels. The uh, the match before that though was an interesting one. That it was an it was a really interesting one for me. It was Sergeant Slaughter versus the Mountie. Okay. Two guys that you don't hear about. Yeah, yeah. Really mixed up, and it ended on a DQ. 
because the Mountie tried to use the shock stick on, on Slaughter, and he got mad, so Slaughter just started beating him outside the ring, nice. like hitting him with the stairs and everything like that, and he just lost his mind on him. And I remember they kept ringing the bell over and over again, trying to get him to stop, trying to get Slaughter to just pull off the Mountie. And, and as just... a kid, you're just like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that shock stick, right. that taser, had so much heat with me as oh, a yeah. kid. I was, I just, I hated it. Let me ask you this. You ever take a paper towel roll and make it into a shock stick? No, I have not. I'm assuming you have. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, no, no. Yeah, well, you know what you need to do next time you run out of paper towels. There you go. Um, what What are some of your favorite matches of all time? If you had to just right off the top of right. your head, ones that you continually find yourself going back to. See, it's a, it's a tough one for sure because it depends on certain levels. There are some that the grandeur of the match stands out to me. But there are a lot of weird, dopey, lesser talked about matches that I really like for various reasons. Such as? Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Chris Benoit on Monday Night Raw. Just a random Raw. Sto Benoit came out and said that Austin couldn't wrestle. He can't wrestle technically, you just can't wrestle in these garbage. Prove me wrong. Right. Yep. And then Austin comes out, and now I'm not trying to say he was Malenko in the ring or anything, <laughs> but, you know, he was doing arm bars, he was doing holds, he was, he was doing more wrestling, and it, was, and it was an interesting match. And I just always remember that because it was, I was like, they totally called him out for it, and then they worked the match around it. Sure, I don't think most fans cared that it happened, but it was something I liked a lot. And it was something different yeah. being seen from Austin, who at that point, uh, I'm assuming this is around 2002, yeah. 2001, yeah. Uh, around that point, he's probably strictly brawling more right. than anything else. I mean, don't get me wrong, he could still throw a mean suplex, but as far as you know, chaining together things and holds right. and stuff like that, he wasn't really doing that. He was run and gun. Exactly. Uh, Shelton Benjamin versus Triple H the first time. Great match. I will always Great remember match. that match. Yeah. Uh, I thought the storytelling on that match was great. Uh, something else a lot of people don't realize the storytelling and I've also discovered my YouTube channel depending on how old you are your definition of storytelling is different yeah it, which different. really drives me crazy yeah. but I'm not gonna get into it but the storytelling for that Triple H Shell Benjamin was really good I like that one a lot um, there was an episode of Monday Night Nitro while these guys get brought up a lot uh, Eddie and Dean on an on Nitro is the one I actually like the best out of every time they've gone at each other and I was, like the ECW stuff uh, yeah. really well too but they've had yeah. classics there Eddie Guerrero and Edge, mm -hmm. ladder match, SmackDown, I want to say 2003, mm -hmm. uh, was also very good. All right, we only got a couple more minutes left, so I'm going to go through. I've got this thing that I ask everybody, lightning round questions. They're tailor-made for the individual who is going to be on the show. Again, thanks to Dave Lee of Dave Knows Wrestling on YouTube. Go check it out, as well as Dave Knows Comics. Uh, Thank you. Make happy. sure... El Toro's Podcast Network, where you're listening to this right now. Check out the Capital Wrestling Podcast, hosted by Darnell Mitchell, and the El Toro's Tech Podcast as well. I don't know what date this is going to be launching. This is episode three, so you know, <laughs> a little behind the curtain here. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, I hope you enjoy it. Make sure you follow me at Grapple Talker on Twitter and on Instagram at Grapple Talker. So here are your lightning round questions. <clears throat> if you could manage any wrestler, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh wow, that is a good one. Any man, any wrestler. Manager, you're managing oh, yeah. them. Yep. Oh, managing them. Uh, who? Uh, okay. Uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pimp something out real quick. Uh, all right. I uh, will go with. Damn it. Um. This is on the spot. Yeah, I know. This is rough. Uh, I want to just say Braun Strowman. Okay. Nice. That would be funny. I, yeah. I would actually, I would actually see that fitting. Uh, if you could book a dream match between any two wrestlers, dead or alive. Who would it be? Hogan and Austin. Hogan and Austin? Okay. 
Uh, would you rather win the Royal Rumble from number one or win the title at WrestleMania? Title at WrestleMania. Okay. Because I don't believe anyone should win it at number one. From physics and logic alone, I think that's like insanity. And you shouldn't do it as many times as they did. Yeah. <laughs> you do it once and right. then that's it. Uh, if you had to have a gimmick name, what would it be? <laughs> when you were a kid, maybe, and you pretended to be a wrestler, what was your gimmick name? Don't try professional wrestling at home. Professional wrestling should be done by professionals. Do not, yes. However, with that being said, I will say I was foolish enough to do so myself, and uh, my name was The Outbreak. The Outbreak. All right. <laughs> Look out for The Outbreak at an independent wrestling show near you. Okay. Yeah. Better vacation destination. Parts unknown or truth or consequences? <laughs> I will say parts unknown because you never know what you're going to expect. Never know what you're going to get. Thank you for joining me on Creatively <laughs> Speaking, uh, episode number three with Dave Lee. Make sure you subscribe, you tweet, all that good stuff. And as always, good luck and good night.